1: In this pop culture-saturated world, what's a nerd to do? Hang out with your good pals on Nerdy Show, that's what.
0: Our flagship podcast is a weekly celebration of the multifaceted D20 that is the modern nerd.
1: When we're not devising horrors that combine VR and spiders or taste-testing weird food, we're discussing the latest geek happenings, digging into our deepest nerd niches,
0: or interviewing a celebrity or two.
2: Head to nerdyshow.com or find us on iTunes and experience a multiverse of awesomeness. Lightning Dogs, the official podcast presented by the Nerdish Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdish Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdishshow.com. Lightning Dogs is conceived as an all-ages property, But these behind-the-scenes conversations are not all ages. So listen at your own discretion, baby. Woo!
1: Sometimes a great idea is truly like a bolt of lightning. And sometimes, if you're lucky enough, you can capture the exact moment that it strikes. That's what happened for us one fateful night while recording an episode of Nerdy Show. We accidentally launched a concept that derailed the entire show and in no time, our lives. We couldn't stop talking about our favorite action figures in B-movies while twisting them into strange creatures weird adventures, and dog puns. Lots of dog puns. This is the story of Lightning Dogs, a journey steeped in the glory of 80s and 90s animation, where anthropomorphic dogs tear through the wasteland of a ruined earth, battling mutants, miscreants, and the evil glampire. Coming soon to small screens, comic books, and podcasts. Or at least that's the goal. But how do you go from a crazy idea into a fully formed world of conflict and characters? How does a harebrained discussion become an animated series? That's what we're finding out firsthand. We've recorded the entire development of Lightning Dogs since day one, from the moment of conception to every world-building session and planning meeting. And the journey is still ongoing. Tune in as we create the world of Lightning Dogs LIVE! Welcome to Lightning Dogs. Aroo! 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 Hi, I'm, I'm Cap.
2: Hey, I'm Doug. I'm Tony.
1: And today we're doing another Lightning Dogs art stream as we continue on our journey towards a completed pitch bible where we're going to need at least, uh, you know, some forward-facing shots of our main cast. At least. At least is right. This is the second of ten draw stream sessions dedicated to creating final character designs for the Lightning Dogs as well as their nemesis. Glampire and Halloween Jack. In these sessions, Doug and I virtually peer over Tony's shoulder as he draws, and we make suggestions while tackling other doggy discussions. These very visual episodes come to you in two formats. This annotated podcast format and the original unedited video, which you can watch on YouTube.
0: You'll see that we were not simply pausing awkwardly because we had nothing to say, but because I was being fascinating, which is a very unique experience for me. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to stop using quite as much self-deprecating humor. One of these days. I don't know when that's going to be.
1: I think using less self-deprecating humor might might up the Tony stock. If you stop accepting that that's acceptable, then everyone else will stop accepting how acceptable it is to emphasize that.
0: Hashtag suddenly better with Tony.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tony, let's do Kane Corso today. Okay. Yeah. We, we led with our main dingo. Yeah. The logical thing to do would be Angela today. You've drawn a lot of Angela. Let's do somebody that you've maybe drawn a handful of times at best.
2: Okay. Also someone from the uh, definite B team, the non-soldier. Kane visually is pretty interesting
1: to me because we were channeling a lot with him. We're channeling like a Euro trash vibe we've used um, Boris from GoldenEye as a reference at one point, though he's a much younger character, obviously. And when we really started to figure out what he looked like visually, one of the earliest things that I sketched that I really attached to was having the look of a late 70s, early 80s businessman, sort of, but with a little bit of a futuristic edge, which kind of led me to Eldon Terrell from Blade Runner. And there's not a lot about Terrell that I would say is reflected in Kane, though perhaps his demeanor, his sort of arrogance and confidence that he has. And then also his crazy glasses. Mm-hmm. He's just got huge fucking glasses. And Kane's can be a bit cooler and don't necessarily need to magnify as extremely as Eldon Terrell's do. But I feel like that look is something worth holding on to. It's not something you see much anymore these days.
2: It should be a definite fashion statement as opposed to understated scientist glasses is what you're saying
1: yeah i feel like he could easily fall into that trap of he's the scientist so he wears the glasses but that's not the thing like for him it's like because he looks really good Mm -hmm.
2: well he he was always drawn kind of boxy because the cane corso dogs are kind of muscular and uh and box shaped broad yeah Yeah. i guess if he had glasses that reflected that then kind of makes sense
0: all right do we like this body shape for Kane?
2: I think this generally makes sense for his body shape. I
1: feel like if you'd see him from the side, he might read as a little bit more barrel-chested, but from the front, this
2: makes sense. Yeah, a little barrel-chested, but he's not an athlete. Like, he couldn't take Dingo in a fight. But he might easily take someone who's untrained in a fight. Yeah, because he he, I'm sure he does care about his health. He cares about his image.
1: Right, because Belloc could take a punch, just not yeah. a great punch.
2: Yeah, and he's vain, too, you know, so it's yeah. like he, he would care very much about how he looks. I do think he needs to be uh, charismatic and I would, you know, I'd say handsome, mm-hmm. you know, where it's well, we like, haven't gotten to that part yet. right, right, right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing out these things because if he wasn't such a dick, you know, he'd be a hero.
1: I don't know what to make of his crazy ankles.
2: I like director pants. <laughs> what do you call those anyway?
1: That was just something that kind of came out in the
0: sketch. It wasn't intentional
1: necessarily. Hey, Tony's working on the head right now. And we got the hair. It's slicked back. It's been slicked back in a lot of iterations, which I, which I like. Now, what do you think about the
2: spit curl? I kind of like it because it's Superman-esque. Something familiar yet stereotypically heroic. I really like the idea of him looking like he would be a hero of his own story, but yet his uh, attitude betrays him. you give him a cigarette or something? Oh, yeah. What's something a dog would smoke that's not tobacco? I was about to say grass, but to say smoke grass suggests marijuana, (laughs) but I meant like lawn grass because dogs will eat lawn grass in order to throw up, make themselves sick. Uh, I can only assume that whatever they'd smoke
1: would be some degree of tobacco equivalent on Dog Planet. Would Domus have developed the same kind of abusive aspects that, say, the cigarette companies of, of Earth created of creating addictive properties in something that otherwise didn't have as many? Ah, uh, I couldn't say. <laughs> he just smokes opium. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past him.
2: Like, Kane, you, you, you smoke opium? Isn't that bad for you? Yeah. Like, well, why do you do it? Because I have to deal with you people. <laughs>
0: there are many things that are bad for me, not the least of which listening to your prattling.
2: You know, what? because we, we talked before about he's got like the Belloc, Indiana Jones influence. I would dare say a little Nathan Drake in there. Like, in terms of his uh, look for when he's out uh, out in the wasteland?
0: Out adventuring?
2: Yeah. A little little Nathan Drake, but yet when he's in Brutus or he's in the main labs, he'd have his lab coat on, you know?
0: I'm kind of going just with his basic adventuring outfit at this yeah,
2: point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cane Corso dog is a
1: pretty rough-and-ready, intense-looking dog. And I found this... It was the first photo that came up when I searched cane Corso now, which is... This is a photo that I believe was not online when we first found this breed and picked it out for Kane corso but this is great this is i would photoshop this image i would put glasses over this dog and stick him in coming out of a trench coat and i'd be like and that's him <laughs> that's what he looks like
0: yeah that that image is i know what i need to do with his eyes now this motherfucker needs to look tired just all the time
1: <laughs> and these dogs look so intense they got like the black cane corsos like all these pictures I'm seeing, they've got just got the, the, the sleekest, most like muscular coats. It's got to be one of the toughest looking dogs, except when they're puppies. <laughs> then the only thing they punch you in the face with is how adorable they are. We won't be linking to pictures of Cane Corso puppies. You can do that on your own time. But on this episode's page, we will link to the specific striking Cane Corso photo I showed everyone. Can you guys think of, of a time in a Saturday morning cartoon show? from the 80s or I mean definitely not the 90s but sometime when someone smoked in an episode
2: that wasn't PSA oriented when did they put the kibosh on that probably in the early 90s I mean uh the only one I, a character I remember is Bullock from Batman but he had a toothpick he didn't really smoke but it was very much just even as an adult and I look back I'm like did he smoke oh no wait it was a toothpick like you just picture him smoking even and, though it was a totally toothpick and
1: sometimes just for no reason he'd kind of be done with it and he'd flick it away Yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> what are you doing with that toothpick that's <laughs> in for
2: For Kane Corso, instead of a cigarette because we can't because of the kids and we can't do a toothpick because that's just straight up stealing from uh, Batman. What if he's just chewing on the dog equivalent of a Slim Jim? <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's like a little treat. You know, it's like a doggy treat. You just chew on it and little uh, beef jerky juices come out. I wouldn't be opposed to that. It's a lot like how um, I guess I'm thinking of uh, from Aliens, Sergeant Apone. He would chew on his cigar, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it was kind of rude, but yet not, you know what I mean? Like that could be something because it's not quite chewing tobacco and not quite a cigar or cigarette, but yet it's both at the same time. It's something that you might either find gross or
1: attractive depending
2: on who you were. Yeah.
1: Which is something that I think weirdly goes hand in hand with the uh, Euro trash stereotype. I don't know how far we want to pursue that, but I it, i do like it. I And by that, I mean the oral fixation solution. And, and if we want to make
2: it not a cigarette, Especially if it's like a beef jerky type thing where it's like something you could make in the wasteland. Dingo and Pierre, they got their bacon cheeseburgers. Where he's like, that shit will make you fat. It's like, <laughs> what do you want? You eat that garbage. It's like, you know, it's like just take a good piece of meat, turn it into jerky, it'll last forever. You're out in the wasteland, you're out camping. Because this dude's been camping and stuff. Like he's an archaeologist, you know. Yeah, he's in the
1: field. Now we, what we got here was we're, Tony's working on Kane's feet right now. And I think what I'm seeing here is... uh Plain shoes and trousers.
2: I took this to be like hiking boots, but with the trousers just over the uh, ankles. What are you thinking, Tony?
1: I am
0: thinking with with the idea of him still being kind of fashion conscious, because tagging back to people like Belloc and people like Nathan Drake, they represent two different sides of the same thing. Belloc, especially when he showed up at the beginning of Raiders, he didn't look like he belonged to the jungle, but he adapted just the same. And I feel like Kane could do the same thing. So I was trying to think of a way of showing some sort of trouser that is not a jean that still looks somewhat fashionable. And in keeping with the sort of lines that we've been putting in with the, the other stuff, I wanted to make sure that these felt suitably futuristic while still being, I don't know, kind of fashionable.
2: That look more casual than, say, what the soldiers would wear, too.
1: Exactly. Right now, he's got a really low cuff on his pants. I feel like
2: it may need to be raised because... It just in in the practicality of being in the field, yeah, if we're doing his adventure gear, we'd probably have to raise it up, but like i for him being in the uh in the lab, I and mean, that's for sure, he's definitely wearing nicer pants, yeah,
1: <laughs> what if he's got like a little like you know like monogram cigarette holder, but it's just full
2: of jerky, yeah, <laughs> hell, yeah, man, like candy cigarettes, except it's just bubble gum for kids can- <laughs> just the king Corsos like little stash <laughs> that's a man right there. <laughs> <laughs> And that, dude, I just realized that the Slim Jim thing, that's basically begging strips. Like, that's, Mm -hmm. we always wanted to know, like, what about the begging strip angle, you know? And I was like, well, bacon on a cheeseburger, but that was never quite, this is a doggy treat.
0: It also does kind of tag back to his fixation on master culture.
2: Yeah. And like how they're, you know, they're masters, they're above, you know? And this is his treat. I really don't think that aspect is gonna come
1: into play. No, but players. I like no, it. I was not, but no one's it, gonna it put it that works. together.
2: Yeah, I just like knowing that it's there.
0: Tin <laughs> Corso is good dog. I don't know why he's Russian though.
1: I mean, he's one of those characters we will not have any idea what this fella sounds like until we get somebody in the room who who does something we don't expect. You know, Mm-hmm. that's a question we got asked recently. Actually, Big Bad Shadow Man's been doing a a great job on the forums of hitting us up with one. Thought-provoking question a week.
0: Sometimes I feel like he asks more questions about this universe than we do. (laughs) Well, he,
2: he doesn't know as much as we know, so it stands to reason. Big Bad Shadow Man, who we've mentioned before,
1: is a longtime supporter of Lightning Dogs, and he's been an amazing force for keeping the fire lit and the public discussion about the world ongoing, often provoking us to consider aspects of the project we hadn't considered at all, or at the very least gotten around to yet. At this point in the timeline... Lightning Dogs was still behind closed doors, with only a few episodes released. Understandably, fans had a lot of questions about the world and the project, which we were happy to answer, but so much had happened between this recording and the episode called Lightning Dogs Play Dead that sometimes it was hard to even keep up with what we had or hadn't said.
0: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to
2: lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: There's a lot we haven't had the opportunity to show yet. And I'm cannot. It's killing me. It's soon, you know. As of this recording, we have a plan of attack. But anyway, to that end, one of the questions he asked recently was in regards to our plans for voice acting and how we were going to handle that. And I can't recall the last time we spoke about this on the show. But as of right now, I mean, obviously, we have a lot of steps to get to before it. But when it is time to voice cast, we're going to uh, dig into everybody in the Nerdy Show Network who has an interest in voice casting, who has an availability Ideally, they'd be some of our Orlando cast members so we could get them in the studio, but we do have a number of cast members who have quality mics at their homes, and you know, obviously they know enough about recording to be doing a podcast. So Some of them
0: are even chomping at the bit, so to speak.
1: Something that should be noted here, to add additional time frame context, is that as far as the fans knew, the next thing we were doing was Lightning Dogs as an audio drama. So casting for that was much less a blue sky question than, say, casting for a professional animation project. We'd be self-producing, and obviously pulling talent from within the nerdy show network would be the smart move. If we're working within a studio system for an animated series and have a casting director, that's a different story. But to the point of the audio drama, at the time of this recording, we hadn't given up on the idea of doing Lightning Dog's audio stories of some kind, and it's still something that could happen. I mean, the last thing we want to do is have completed scripts in hand and not share them in an awesome way. But how that could materialize really depends on where the project ends up when that time comes. There's a big difference between assembling a small cast to make a script read sound exciting and investing the time and money into launching a big-scale audio drama series. So, here's the rest of that discussion to showcase where our heads were at when considering what it would realistically take to cast a full Lightning Dogs audio drama production. We know for a fact that there's many characters, including many core cast members, who simply are not going to find appropriate voices within, within the cast. I assume that we're going to be surprised at times, but we are fully prepared to take our search outside and hit up the Orlando Craigslist <laughs> and find some people. But it's also it's tough because it's kind of new territory for us. There's absolutely going to need to be contracts there's going to need to be paychecks, and will we be just be doing a pilot you know with intentions of picking it up at a later time and how are people's you know schedules going to pan out, especially for people who are just meeting for this project? There's a lot of new stuff to, to deal with and, and a certain learning curve for us who all have a rudimentary understanding of the animation industry but who've never actively participated in it before.
0: Something else that's somewhat interesting that I'm looking at here and the the Kane Corso image that you would link cap. Uh-huh. The, the Corso, is a, it seems to be a dog that either has a very short tail or a docked tail, which leads to this other interesting thing that will probably never come up in the show, but it's something that I am considering. It gives his humanoid physicality a very close resemblance to those he worships. He is, he is closest to dog god. I see a lot of other images where he's got a full tail, though. The sketch that I done did find on the thing that Cap Link did not have a tail. No,
2: I hear you. No, because I'm seeing it too. I'm seeing other ones where it's basically really short or almost non-existent, but there's also long ones too. So, do you think people do that or like? This had not crossed my mind at all, but I'm on a page right
1: now. Actually, <laughs> it's a website called AboutTimeCaneCorso.com, and it's a whole document about ear cropping and tail docking, and apparently that's a thing. And oh my god, you guys, like the whole Kane Corso thing and his religion, it goes so much farther now. This We're is talking like, circumcision it, basically. It, it was <laughs> it, it was there all along traditionally like his ears are cropped his tail that, is docked. the tip
2: of that tail yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: man oh my god That's like that's that's fucked up man can you imagine especially if like if it was a ceremony that wasn't necessarily done like as a pup but like some like coming of age ceremony where, yeah. where it, had, it had to be done to him and he was oh, really aware Jesus. of it oh, like I feel so bad
2: for him <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably what should happen because you know if we want to make him as angry as possible I hate the masters yeah like fear them and hate them but yet want to be better it's it's complicated but in a good way it's like his feelings are complex cuz a cane corso has
1: straight up has floppy ears if they're not cropped like that whole pointy thing that, that tony's just drawn
2: that's i had, i had no idea it, i didn't it didn't contributes occur to, to why me. he wants to worry about how he looks you
1: know there's a section called practical and functional reasons for cropping ears though that
2: might be as full of shit as practical and functional reasons for circumcision uh, the sub Title to "About Time" came Corso Italiano is in a world of ordinary and conventional, only the most distinctive will ever leave a truly lasting impression. <laughs> that's like that's like the character's catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, that's like something he would say.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's
2: funny. This is great.
0: All right, what do we saying?
2: Uh,
1: sorry, sorry, I've been been reading about tail docking.
2: No, I'm digging. Um, I'm digging this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this look is great.
1: Uh, Tony, can you zoom in on the face, please? Are we too weathered? No, no, not at all. I would actually like to see what happens if there's an increased jowl detail. He's got the look down, like that's the character, but I'm curious if we can give him more a semblance to the breed itself and a nose that's less of a dot and has more of the... I don't, I don't remember what we did with, with dingoes. Maybe, maybe I'm violating our unwritten style guide right now. But
2: Well, giving him that square jaw like Tony's doing now, I think is going to do a big big help to distinguish him from dingo because he needs to look powerful, Yeah. even though he's not super muscular. Like, he's got good bone structure, you know? He's <laughs> something that's, like, traditionally masculine, traditionally handsome, but you're like, God, this guy's a dick. It's just like, he just won't stop. I keep giving him chances, you know, as the idea. He
1: looks like like a Tom Strong... Who's the... Tony, who's who's the character whose name starts with Doc and isn't strange? Um, Savage? Yeah, Doc Savage. Doc Savage.
0: And you know what? You know why... That fits so fucking well. Because he's a every doctor? character that we have listed in reference to Kane Corso, for the most part, is some sort of a pulp archaeologist action hero. Yeah. <laughs> so is Doc Savage.
2: Yeah, like the original,
0: right there with yeah. the Shadow and the Phantom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, those guys he used to hang around with back on Domus on all those adventures. <laughs> there was that mysterious guy in the, the museum haunting, and then, then also the weird dude out in the jungle with all the skull rings. All these crazy guys that Kane Corso palled around with before getting involved with the lightning dogs. It's funny, you say that as a as a gaff, Cap, but I could absolutely see that happening. That was Tony, that yeah. was a half joke. No, that's like that's
2: the thing. You could do it in a perfect world. Each of these characters would have their own comic mini leading up to before. And what's King Corso's thing? It's just pulp adventure, you know. I think we can go shorter on
1: the jerky. Probably it reads a little weird being that long. It's almost like why would that character have one of those Cruella Deville cigarette holders?
0: But at the same, I almost picture him having one of those. I, I doesn't seem <laughs> no. character for him. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but
1: that'd be a little too close to Doctor Strange Love at that point. That was uh, let's say. His aunt used to have them, and she used to put put out jerky on his wrists jerky brings a whole new and, definition of the term smoked meats and she just says with her mouth' <"S-> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like why is, why did you do that Because she was crazy let's say this is
1: a tactical turtleneck
2: <laughs> oh yeah, shoot, what the hell are those um sweaters that have like the not the patches on the shoulders but like uh Oh, I got to find it. The, find those it. like those like military sweaters that kind of yeah. like, like a members-only
1: kind of like hook thing. On yeah.
2: The... Yeah, Tony's getting it. Yeah. And they usually have like a little uh, little, um, little loop from the top shoulder to the... Like like the button flap that would keep something like that bandolier thing in place.
1: Oh, that's what they're for. <laughs> well,
2: that's what I'm guessing what they're for because I'm looking at I've a shoulder. I've always wondered what that was for. <laughs> How's yeah. that, how, how do you guys think that looks?
1: Now, that's a tactical turtleneck right there.
2: Tactical turtleneck cowabunga.
1: <laughs> Remember the um, original profile cards in the back of the Ninja Turtle action figures? They'd have all kinds of superfluous details and everything would practically be a, a TM kind of like tactical turtleneck TM. Everything would be named. Every aspect of the character, every weird yeah, gizmo. Man. Yeah, I'm sold. The only thing that I have a question about is the pants and the, I don't know, hexagonal... Patch there. We might be able to do something else with that, but all in all, the whole vibe is one hundred percent correct. Like that's King Corso, no doubt about it. I love the gloves too. You can see the finished artwork from this session linked on this episode's page. Like the prior dingo draw stream, this is a turnaround, though really it's just the front facing part of one. And then just the line art. We expected to do more with it, but as time drew on, we realized what we needed more immediately was not animation style turnarounds, but character key art so that when the Lightning Dogs were redebuted to the public, we'd have all the characters ready to be unveiled. With near-final designs in place for Kane and Dingo, we went back to the drawing board, and from here on out, these drawstream episodes were doing have the same process, but without the stiff poses needed for turnarounds. In our next episode, we shift away from the main cast of characters, and once again veer sharply into the weird world of the Wasteland with two episodes of new characters and concepts. After that, our next drawstream is Nerissa and Beasthound. And if you want to see that video, along with all the other character design draw streams, you can do that right now. The remaining eight sessions are available as early releases for everyone supporting us through Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash sign up, click posts, and then just click the video tag and you'll see all of them. Now, Patreon is going through some stuff right now. Up until now, the creators have sucked up the transaction fees whenever patrons are charged, as it should be. That way, the price you're paying is always clear. Unfortunately, without warning, they've now changed things so that you, the patrons, are being charged these fees. If you're giving a dollar, it's now actually a dollar and 38 cents. We hate this, we think it's bullshit, and to make matters worse, the process overall actually penalizes people who give small amounts to a number of creators. For example, if you're paying $20 a month to one creator, you're not paying nearly as much as if you were paying $1 to 20 creators. It's a mess, and we're not the only ones who are mad about it. Patreon has become an ecosystem that creators depend on, one that we built the future of Lightning Dogs around. Like many people, we're hoping that this very public outrage will translate to Patreon turning back the clock on this policy, and we'll keep you posted with what happens and how it affects the future of Lightning Dogs and the Nerdy Show Network. For the moment, our best option is to stay. We need these funds to keep this project going. As it stands, we're teetering on the edge of staying afloat at our first milestone, $200, to make sure that we have enough funds to pay for basic expenses and occasional freelancer art. But, we can't stress enough, if you feel you need to go, we do understand. This is a situation that none of us should have been put in, and the problem rests squarely with Patreon. We only ask that, if you do go, please make sure that on your exit survey, you make it clear that it's because of Patreon's new rates. There are other ways you can support Lightning Dogs. For example, picking up a Lightning Dog sketchbook, a 30-page collection of our favorite concept art so far. We've also got Lightning Dogs t-shirts featuring the team emblem, but now, winter's come, and we have long-sleeve shirts too. You can find all of that at nerdyshow.com store. Being that it's the holiday season, you're probably shopping on Amazon, and if you do, you can shop through Nerdy Show's Amazon links at nerdyshow.com Amazon, and anything you buy will give back in part to us. There's also ways to support Lightning Dogs that are totally free, for example, rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Podchaser. We desperately need more reviews on both, so if you love this show, please take a moment and spread the word, like this awesome person did. This is an iTunes review called Howl of Inspiration by Your Fur. This year, I went to Megaplex and saw the booth they had, not knowing what Lightning Dogs was. Being a relatively new artist on the scene, I was enamored by the folks running the booth, I saw the love and hope in their eyes and was really sad that I couldn't buy a concept book or even go to the panel later on that day. I started listening to the podcast and it really helped me with my own comic world building. It's doggone filled with puns and joy. I really love listening to these when I'm drawing and I'm definitely referring them to my friends. Nice one. Keep your noses to the ground and I'll look forward to the future. Thanks, Yerfur. Thanks a lot. We loved meeting new people at Megaplex and I'm happy to say that our next con appearance is lined up March 17th through 18th will be in Raleigh for North Carolina Comic-Con Oak City. I went this year and ran some awesome panels. You can expect I'll be doing the same again in 2018. But this time around, Lightning Dogs will have a booth and some anthropomorphic animal synergy because Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is going to be there. Come out and see us. But in the short term, We'll see you in another two weeks with a heaping helping of wasteland weirdness. In the meantime, be sure to sniff us out on your favorite social platforms. And I'll see you on another episode of Lightning Dogs, the official podcast.
0: Grandmama, why have you done this to me? I am your son. Because you are stupid, Kane. You do not understand what grandmama is. You are not my son.
2: <laughs> Hashtag Alnoise.
0: Hashtag Alnoise. Planning for your next trip?
2: Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.